Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, blessings to each and every single one of you. And again, I want to welcome all of you back to the service this evening. Um, I'm believing that over the next few moments as we continue in this series, the Passion Week, leading all the way up to Easter. Wasn't Pastor David incredible last week? We were so refreshed with that word that was brought and, um, and we were refreshed by that, the triumphal entry, or triumphal entry, excuse me. And this evening, we're going to be unpacking Jesus clearing the temple. And uh, that's a fun topic that I'd never really preached on before. And uh, I'm excited to dive into this message this evening. Can I pray for you as we get ready to hear from the Lord? If you're with me, say yes. Oh, you got to talk to me, ladies and gentlemen. Look at me. Look at your neighbors. Say, wake up, Bernie. It's a time to go to church, all right? We're going to have a good service today, and I'm believing that God's going to do miraculous things in the next few moments. And uh, let's pray. Father, I love you with all my heart. I thank you for your word that is powerful. It's a two-edged sword. It cuts through everything. And I thank you that, Lord, it doesn't matter what your race is, what your gender is, when you declare the word of God. It doesn't matter where you come from, how much money you have, how much money you don't have. When you say the words of Jesus, miracles happen. Things change. Situations turn around. I'm believing in, believing in a powerful way that as we hear from Jesus, as we hear from your unstoppable, unconquered, undefeated word, that we would be transformed, not by the words of a preacher, my God, because I do not have the words of life, but you do. And we pursue you. We honor you in this house. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. And if you're ready to say yes. Well, this evening, as we're continuing in this series, and I'm blessed to be a part of it, we're going to be unpacking Jesus clearing the temple. And the text that we're going to be reading is found in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Uh, if you have your Bible, it is the notes for this evening will be on the app as well. And the big Bible behind me will be illuminated in just a moment. And you can follow along with this story. And uh, let me read this to you from Matthew chapter 21. Upon entering Jerusalem, Jesus went directly into the temple area and drove away all the merchants who were buying and selling their goods. Amazing. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the stands of those selling doves. And he said, my dwelling place will be known as a house of prayer, but you have made it a hangout for thieves. Then the blind and the crippled came into the temple courts. Jesus healed them, and the children encircled around him, shouting blessings and praises to the son of David. But the chief priests, uh, the perpetual pearl clutchers, uh, and the religious scholars heard the children shouting and saw all the wonderful miracles of healings and watched the nature of their heart. And they were furious. <laughs> Interesting. And they were furious. They said to Jesus, don't you hear what these children are saying? That it's not right. Jesus answered, yes, I hear them. But have you ever read from scripture, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise? I love that. You know, it's interesting that children were at the end of that story. And you know, when God says that we should have faith, he doesn't say you need to have faith like an adult. He says, if you want to have faith, you have to have faith like a child, the perspective of a child. And 
And this evening, as we unpack this idea of Jesus clearing the temple, um, it, it's kind of a strange image that, that kind of, when we juxtapose that with the image that we have Jesus in our mind, we have this big, beautiful, soft, sweet Jesus who never, never did anything that would shake the boat or rock the boat. Here he is, this beautiful Jesus, just sitting in a field, petting a lamb. And that's our image of Jesus. But then all of a sudden we read, some, there's some times when Jesus wasn't playing around. You know when mom looks at you and she starts reaching for the sandal and you know you're about to get it? Like Jesus, he had that, that look in his eye that let you know you're in trouble. How many of you know that I believe ladies are the most gifted communicators on the planet? For example, if you walk up to your husband, you ask him, how was your day? What's he going to say? It's fine. But when you ask a lady how her day is doing, oh my goodness, you better get ready for a story. Get some popcorn. Sit down, baby. She will express every single detail. When I woke up this morning, I knew that the day was, I was destined for destiny. The moment my toes hit the floor, I knew the devil got scared. And I went into work that day. And she goes into these things. Ladies are incredible communicators. They have this way of just giving a look and you know you're dead. You know you're trouble. And Jesus being the creator of speech and the creator of language, I happen to believe that in this moment of the story, Jesus walked in there and everybody looked up and recognized the look that daddy was not playing around, someone is getting whooped. How many of you remember growing up and your parents uh, would let you go stay at a friend's house and that mom or dad would walk into the house and they just spanked all the kids? I grew up, now you can't do that today. In 2023, no, you're going to jail. The SWAT team's coming. They're going to knock down your door. But I'll tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, it, it, like I grew up in the day, I'm an 80s kid, so like, like mamas would just spank everybody. I remember getting spanked at Faith Christian Academy at the school, yeah, they brought me in. Can you believe I was a punk kid growing up? True story, they brought my mama in and said, we're gonna have to spank your son. She's like, go ahead, I'm next. But Jesus walks in there and he gives them a look, ladies and gentlemen, he was not playing around. Jesus was angry. Are you ready to go into this text this evening? And as I unpacked it and as I studied and prayed for this moment that we would be assembled together in God's house to hear his word, some important thoughts came to mind as we searched the scripture this evening. You see, he was angered at the era that they found themselves in. But he was even more, and may I pose the suggestion tonight, that the, one of the reasons why Jesus was angry wasn't maybe the reason that you first thought it was. And I want to unpack that for a moment. You see, he was angry, and that was obvious by the way he cleared the temple, by the way he removed everything that should not have been there. But then Jesus was angry, and I think he gives the reason as to why he was angry at a greater capacity. Let me try to make this case to you this evening. He was angry that they had found themselves in this place that they should not have been, but he was even more angry for the reason that they ended up in this position to begin with. You see, the religious had strayed from the purpose that they were called to do. The reason that they were in sin and they were encountering the strict rebuke from Jesus was because the Lord had observed the behavior of, hear me, neglected prayer. Watch this. A prayerless life will always lead us into darkness and obstruct our attention to the things that matter to God and that matter to pursuing a life full of meaning and purpose. 
Because I do not believe that God created you just to simply exist through life. I believe that when he created you, he made you in his image. That you have a divine assignment. That you cannot meander through the motions. That you cannot be a meaningless statistic. You need to walk up and every single day of your life, you need to realize that we are the last outpouring that Jesus Christ has on this earth. The scripture says in the prophet Joel that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old man will dream dreams. How many of you know we are God's finale? I believe that God is getting ready to close the curtain on this production called life on planet earth and he has sent the greatest warriors to this generation to usher in a revival that is going to change our city and our world forevermore i do believe that and tonight may i suggest the idea that jesus was not angered necessarily hear me he was angered that they were selling things but he was angered that that behavior started to be embraced and pursued and accepted why because they had abandoned prayer and as I unpacked the story, I was like, wait a minute, this is more about prayer than it is about corruption and ego and pride. Because maybe that's just the root cause of what happens with a prayerless life. I got to unpack this idea to you. You see, Jesus was angered because the people in his house were showing up with selfish motives. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's dangerous to live distracted. God is calling us to a renewed passion for prayer. And that's a good place for the Christians to say amen. If you're online, just click amen. Just click it. I don't know if there's a button on there. I need to talk to the typewriter guy, but we'll just talk about it later. Here we go. I believe that we need to have consistent times of realignment, renewal, and refueling. We all have spiritual and physical hindrances. I don't know if you've ever been like me, but you're driving your car, you're trying to be very focused. Now, I'm a father, I have three children, so pray for me, I haven't slept in six years. I have three children and I absolutely adore them. Fatherhood is the best hood. And if you are waiting to have children, let me just tell you, join the party, it is an incredible experience. I recommend it to all my friends. And I haven't slept in a long time. And I'll tell you right now, there are some times when I'm driving, um, though, and I've got precious cargo. I've got my gorgeous Puerto Rican mamacita. I've got my three little boys in the back seat, and they're sometimes screaming, and they're sometimes having a party, and he touched my leg, and he took my waffle. Drama, okay? And there's sometimes when I'm driving, and have you ever had this experience when it's just a little quiet, but it's a little too quiet? And you know, like a firecracker's about to go off. They found the pet. They didn't tell you we had one. They're going to release it into the, into the, <laughs> to the back seat. And so have you ever been driving, though, and then all of a sudden, and I'm trying to be safe, so I got my phone, you know, not in my hands, because lead us not into temptation, but I'll take my phone, and I'll set it on that little stand, and it's, it's right at eye level, and I'm just cruising, just doing my thing, cruising on a Sunday, and I'm just living my best life trying to be focused. I got precious cargo behind me. I got to make sure everybody's safe. And as I'm driving, not, not, and I know not you, so here I am bearing my soul. You're perfect, flawless drivers. But you're driving down the road and all of a sudden your eyes just click on to the, to the screen. And you see this notification. I don't know what it is, but those little, little red dots and it says like miss call or no, I don't know what it is. I'm like, I have to click it. I have to see who texts me. I don't know if I can survive if that unread text message goes on. I'm burying my soul, ladies and gentlemen. And all of a sudden, you just take your eyes off the road for a moment, and you just go, what's, what's, the, what's the harm? It's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just one little click. And you click it, and you're still driving. Safety first. 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 10 and 2. 
And all of a sudden, it's a text from somebody at work or it's a text like, hey, just want you to know the Redbug Lake camp is caught on fire. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and you're, you're reading it. And all of a sudden, you realize, now, I know none of you have ever done this. Okay. You're perfect and beautiful. God bless you. But here's the thing. Like, as you're driving, you take your eyes off the road for a moment. Have you ever done this? And all of a sudden, you realize, like, you're reading, like, paragraph after paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. Maybe your mom texts you, and so it's like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's like the longest thing you've ever seen in your entire, thanks, you know, and you're reading it, and it's going, on and on and on and on. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, I've been driving this machine, okay, this ton, the couple ton machine down the street barreling at 65 miles an hour because I always obeyed the speed limit. And all of a sudden I'm really, I'm like, I have not looked where I'm going in a long time. And then have you ever had this moment where you're like almost afraid, tell me the truth, you're afraid to look because you're like, I'm riding on the wrong side of traffic. I'm driving in the median on the road or like that. I've run over like, like, like some bushes and shrubs. Have you ever done this before? Say yes. Okay, so you right here, you're judging me. Okay, get to the altar. But in this moment of getting your eyes off the road, isn't it crazy that the moment you stop focusing on the main thing, how quickly it is easily drifting into the wrong direction? Why? Because you took your focus. That was a big spit right there. I hope you caught that. That's holy spit right there. You're in the splash zone, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to SeaWorld. <clears throat> And so all of a sudden, as you're driving, you take your eyes off of the road for one second. What, what's the purpose of the car? To, to go from A to B, okay? But the car has one purpose. It really has one focus. It's to go forward. It's to drive this thing in the direction it's supposed to go. But have you ever noticed that if you just take your eyes off the main thing, the thing you're supposed to do, it's easy, watch me, to drift. It's easy to stray. It's easy to end up in a place that you didn't think you would. Have you ever drifted? Have you ever been scrolling through social media and all of a sudden you're going through the conspiracy theories? You're like, oh my gosh, you're right. <sighs> I'm not gonna divulge any conspiracy. Save your emails. But you, you, it's easy to drift. It's dangerous to go through life distracted. And I believe, church, hear me, that if we want to reach the places that God has called us to, we have to keep our eyes forward in the vision of God in our hearts. I love what Paul wrote in Philippians. He said this. It's going to be behind me. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one, watch this, compelling focus. I forget all that is past. I forget all of the past and fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. And what I believe, ladies and gentlemen, prayer empowers us to do is to let go of yesterday that has been redeemed and move forward into the promise that our creator has promised us. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. He is a forward moving God. Hear me church, it is easy to get off course, it is. It is easy to forget what this whole Christian thing's about. And some of us, hear me, because I wanna speak to some hearts tonight. Some of us have allowed unfair moments and poor decisions to keep us bound and broken. And tonight, in the name of Jesus, I want to declare that if you have stumbled into a dark place, I've got good news. The light of the world is here for you. The light of the world is here to heal you. You see, we may be a product of our past, 
But because of Jesus, we no longer have to be a prisoner of our past. Stop looking backwards. God is calling you forward. He is the lifter of our head. You know, if you drive through life looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to get in an accident. And a lot of people are stuck looking back at what life took from them. Stop looking in the rearview mirror. The reason you keep crashing in your life is because you are looking what life took from you instead of looking to the giver of life who says, I make all things new. I can create a brand new day for you, a brand new legacy, a brand new future. How many of you know the past has very little potential, but your future has unlimited potential? And how do we step into the future? We draw near to our heavenly father who restores and renews us and makes us better and holy and has us walk out our salvation with fear and trembling and all of a sudden we step out of the place that we were and step into the place that God is calling us and made us for. You might be a product of your past. You may be a product of a sexual brokenness. You may be a product of a divorced home. You may be a product of what this culture or what this world has stolen from you but let me tell you something in Jesus name you no longer have to be a prisoner of your past. He is the God who sets everyone free free. It is for freedom that Christ has set me free. We are no longer defined by yesterday. We've been redefined by our maker. I want to let you know that I'm tired of playing the story of yesterday. God is calling us to embrace today. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God has joy for you today. Will you embrace it? Because yesterday's story has already been told. God wants you, listen, hear me, I gotta say this right now. You cannot start a new chapter of your life with the Heavenly Father that wants to guide you if you constantly keep rereading the old chapters. A new chapter is about to begin. God is calling you forward. And if you keep looking in the rearview mirror, my friend, I believe that you're going to crash. Have you ever paused to consider the understanding of this simple idea on the car that we're describing for just a moment longer? Have you ever stopped to observe that the rearview mirror is small and that the windshield is big? You want to know why that is? Because what is behind you is not as important as what is in front of you. And our God is calling you forward in Jesus' name. You see, prayer That's what we're talking about tonight. That's the root cause of this problem. Are you with me so far? Prayer helps us look up and remember whose we are and where our Heavenly Father is taking us. You see, when we do not renew our minds, our feelings often drift us toward the thing that we've been delivered from. I'm going to say that again. When we do not renew our minds, our feelings, which are temporary, Our temptations, our desires, they often drift us toward the things that we were once delivered from. And as the people on the inside of the temple drifted from prayer, self-centeredness drifted in. I got to speak to the church tonight. The leadership drifted into areas of manipulation, pride, and greed. Unchecked egos, breeds, perpetual pearl-clutching, grandstanding, unauthentic, superficial spirituality. God is calling us out of the shallow spaces and into the depths of God's boundless promise. You see, the people in the story, they were no longer leading from a place rooted in supplication and in the living in service of others. They were no longer living the simplified Ten Commandments that Jesus articulated. Let me just take the ten and make it into two. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then, love your neighbor as you love yourself. They were no longer leading from that place. This recorded moment is about greed and manipulation. 
But it's more about the consequences of a prayerless life. Later on, Jesus kind of corrects these same spiritual, superficial Christians, or they weren't Christians, but believers. They were the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And Matthew chapter 23, this is one of those harsh moments. This is one of those dirty looks from, from, from mom or dad from across the restaurant, and you know that you're probably going to be killed on the way home by your parents. They're going to take off the belt. Did your parents ever pull over the car and spank you? I remember that traumatic experience. Sign me up for therapy. Here we are. But this was another look the look. It's found in Matthew chapter 23. This is crazy. I love this story. It says this. Jesus is speaking to these men, and um, they were primarily men who were acting spiritual, but they had no spirituality. And he rebukes them with this. Woe to you, teacher. Matthew 23. He says this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisee, you hypocrites. Sweet Jesus. He says this. You give a tenth of your spices. What is he saying? You're tithing. Okay. But you have neglected the more important things of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. What is Jesus saying? That tithing isn't important? No, he's saying both are important. But if you're thinking that you can do these spiritual rituals, but not allow the renewal of your soul, you will not be saved. Hear me, if justice and mercy and faithfulness are not guiding your decisions lately, it's time for you to lift your eyes off of the thing that's distracting you and focus in a moment of reflection, introspection, and prayer, because it's easy to drift. You see, prayer keeps us focused. It keeps important matters in our hearts and minds. They're unfocused Actions led to ritual, routine, religious obligations. Hear me, we do not serve to become saved. We do not give so that we will become righteous. It is because we are saved that this desire to love God, and because we have been transformed, that we have a desire to serve and give. It's something that ensues as opposed to pursued. See, service is the inevitable byproduct of someone who's surrendered to God. Prayer empowers us to keep the main things the main things. So what in this story that we're unpacking in this Passion Week, what was the thing that Jesus was upset that this prayer list had neglected? Oh, I love it. Go back to Matthew chapter 21, our first text of the scripture that we read this evening. It says this, so watch this. Jesus comes in, given angry looks. He clears the temple and watch what happens as soon as he said this, because my house should be a house of prayer. Then notice what it says right here, verse 14. Then, ooh, this is so good. Then the blind and the crippled came into the temple courts and Jesus healed them. And their children circled around him shouting blessings and praises to the son of David. Wow. When I read that, I was probably sitting over there right around behind Pastor Johnny and our morning prayer, and I about fell out of my chair. I had my own altar call revival. I came up to the altar. I prayed for myself. I caught myself. It was a revival. <laughs> because Jesus is reminding us what prayer makes us focus on, the things that matters most, him, him transforming us and living, pursuing our God and the divine purpose that is on our life and then serving others. I want to see the ones. I want the ones who can't see the blind. I want 
the ones who can't see their way forward to hear the name of Jesus and begin to see for the first time ever. I want those who cannot seem to pull themselves up and thrive, be healed by the name of Jesus. He's still the God that heals the crippled and the blind. We need these moments to remember what God has us here to accomplish. And in case you forgot, faith assembly exists to help others encounter Jesus. <clears throat> See, prayer clears out the unnecessary things in, that steal our focus. It's dangerous to live distracted. I heard this story about these two steamboats that were carrying cargo on the Mississippi River. The true story about these two steamboats going side by side down the Mississippi River. They had entire steamboats. They were full of the cargo. They were full of it. And they had all these items that they were supposed to be delivering. They were going from Memphis to New Orleans down the Mississippi River. Well, all of a sudden, as does most of our lives and most of the time, a little bit of distraction came in this journey that they were on. And they got distracted and all of a sudden ego started to slip in because one of the guys who was cruising on the steamboat, and I don't know if that's how you ride it, that's just how I like to do it, to mammogram it, or, or whatever that's called, mime it, I don't know, I'm taking up a joke that happened, never mind, God help us, Ted Cunningham messed me up. All right, here we go. And all of a sudden, he's doing his thing and he's miming, that's what I was trying to say, just don't, don't rewind the tape. Anyway, so they're, they're going, and all of a sudden, this homie over here starts going a little faster, he's like, oh no, he didn't. So he's like, hey, let's go faster. And they start getting into this race. Well, all of a sudden, they start noticing that the fuel in the furnace starts to get low. So they start going, all right, this punk thinks he's gonna beat us in this race and it's not happening, not on my watch. So what they started to do is they started to find things to throw in the furnace. They started throwing chairs. They started throwing like, go to your room, go to your room, get your bed. Yeah, get your bed, it's awesome, throw it in there, I don't care. And he's like, yeah, not my bed, your bed. And so they started throwing stuff. And then all of a sudden they're like, Captain, we're, we're out of things to do. And then all of a sudden they go, you know what we got? A bunch of cargo, go get it. So they started getting the cargo and they started throwing it and throwing it into the furnace and they were going faster. And one was ahead and one was behind, true story. And all of a sudden they finally got there and one of them won. But guess what they forgot? The purpose They forgot the point of the journey. It wasn't to prove your ego. It wasn't to be first. It wasn't to be seen. It wasn't about you. It was supposed to get this one thing to where it was supposed to be. You see, God has entrusted you to steward the gift on your life. What are you doing with what God has called you to steward? Are you trying to build your kingdom or build his? Because God's grace is on your life, not to build your ego. It's on your life so you can build his kingdom. We cannot live distracted. We cannot live distracted. Every once in a while, we need to look up to ensure that we're still moving in the right direction. To keep the most important things, the most important things. And when we're spending time with Jesus... We will live lives that display justice, mercy, and faithfulness. See, hear me. I got to be clear again. Tithes and offerings will not save you. Attending services will not save you. Songs memorized and verses memorized will not save you. You have to know God. 
So now as we make these syllogisms slowly articulated from this stage, I want to understand something. I want you to see something because you might be going, well, how do I know God? Easy. How do you get to know anyone? You spend time with them. Prayer is spending time with God. Prayer is spending time with God. I want to try an experiment. Mm -hmm. This is when everyone avoids eye contact. Okay, young lady right there. That was a beautiful laugh right there. Yes, you right here with a pretty headband right there. All right, what's your name? Melissa. Melissa. Pleasure to meet you, Melissa. Um, what's your favorite color? Red. Great color. That's my son's favorite color. Awesome. Um, what's your favorite dessert? Let's, let's get real. Anything sweet. Wow, easy. That's awesome. Melissa, red, anything sweet. Now, that conversation lasted only a couple seconds. I learned some things about Melissa that I did not know a moment ago. Watch this. Why? Because I spent time having a conversation with her. I know that her favorite color is red. I know that literally, if we ever want to just bless you with something, I just get you, put some sugar in it. Yeah, give it to Melissa. She'll love it. We got to get her a new shirt from the Faith store over there. What color should it be? Duh, red. Her favorite color. We should make sure her name's on the name tag that she's coming to the conference. You're coming to Encounter Day, I hope. Good girl. We're going to make sure Melissa has a name tag with her name on it. What's my point? Are you saying that God has a favorite color? I don't know. But if he did, would you be in such close relationship with him that you would know what it is? Prayer is spending time with God. And when we do that, we bring our focus to the things that matter most in the season, in the moment that we are. Are you with me so far? How do you get to know anyone? You spend time with them. It's dangerous to live a prayerless life. Prayer is the singular practice that moves God from casual acquaintance to heavenly father. See, God does not want you to treat him. I need to say this tonight. Prayer is the singular practice that moves God from casual acquaintance to heavenly father. Watch me. I need to say this loud and clear. God does not want you to treat him like an absent father from a broken home. Now, why did I say that? Because a lot of you, when I say the word father, you don't think of somebody faithful. You don't think of somebody that loves you. You don't think of someone whose hands were used to bless you. God does not want you to treat him like an absent father from a broken home. Let me pull that back a little bit more. I see him on the weekends. I see him on the holidays. He gives me some money every once in a while, but I don't know. That's not what your heavenly father wants from you. Do you understand that he's the heavenly father that wants to walk you down the aisle Understand that he's the heavenly father that's going to want to see every one of your goofy photos from your vacation and like every single one on Facebook. He's the one who says, hey, make sure we got enough battery in the phone, honey, because we're going to go see my little girl sing at that school production and I got to get the whole performance. 
He's the one who says, I can't miss one single game for my little boy because him and I have been practicing in the backyard. You see, so many times our horizontal affects our vertical. And I don't know what your earthly father did to you, but I will tell you what our heavenly father did for you. He's the God who heals. He's a faithful father. He's a good father. He's a present father. You see, prayer helps us remember our eternal value. It uncovers our meaning and it brings focus to the needs of others around us. Go back to what the story says. And the scripture says that the children shouted blessings to the son of David. That term son of David, what that actually is describing is that Jesus was going to be or was the Messiah. That's a big fancy word for meaning this anointed one. What was Jesus anointed to do? To live, to die, and to come back to life. What were they saying? Oh, you got to understand this. When you understand what Messiah means, that God saw the world, for God so loved the world that was broken and dirty and messy, that he gave his son Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, that whosoever believes in Jesus, the son of God, the anointed one, the Messiah, will not perish, but have everlasting life. You understand when they were saying is Jesus the son of David they were saying that God loves us that he didn't abandon us don't you know we got good news he's the son of David and that revelation came because they were close to Jesus that's significant hear me you are loved and you are pursued by your creator prayer brings things into focus I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you've designed a home that you're going to live in. I don't know if you've had that or you got the luxury or the money of that. I got some friends who like, we're building our house. I was like, wow, good for you, Bob the Builder. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> but if you were to say, hey, I want to build a home. Here's what I want to do. I have these preferences. I got colors. I got the location of the lot. I got how many rooms I want in it, how big the family room's gonna be, and where the door, you know, you got all these things. But th there's one thing that I guarantee you're gonna say is a non-negotiable requirement. Here's what it is, light. If you're designing a home, you're gonna wanna make sure you got light in it. Why? Because light is one of those indispensable requirements. Every room needs a light source of some kind, whether it's just open, it's, just, it's natural lighting, good for you, okay? Every room needs a light source. Especially, like a dad, when you're walking through the room that toddlers dumped out Legos all over the floor. You need a light source to walk through these crazy times, okay? Because sometimes I'm saved and I think I'm a Christian, but then I step on a Lego and I really wonder if I really am. Just being transparent, pray for me, the altars are open, I'm going to be down there in the splash room. You know what? Nobody would try to clean up a room or try to clean up a mess without light. You would not try to get dressed. Well, some of you have. But you wouldn't try to get dressed by, by, the, by some of the outfits that I see sometimes. In the dark. I didn't mean that. I just meant like you're tacky. All right. You wouldn't try to get... Calm down. It's okay. We're going to be good. I'm sorry. I need the encounter with you, Melissa. We're going to hang out. It's going to be fun. But, but you wouldn't try to clean up a messy space without light. You just wouldn't. Because you want to make sure you got all that mess up. You wouldn't go on a date or a job interview and get dressed and ready in the dark, especially when you got hair like mine that's just out of control. No, you bring light, hear me, into that environment. Why? So you can see what you can't see and you can adjust what needs to be adjusted. See, I believe prayer 
is like bringing light into the darkness. It clarifies, it removes the ambiguity that saturates the dark places. Are you lost? Are there things that aren't where they're supposed to be? You need to pray. Why? Because light comes in. You see, we need to scrub the dust off the windows in our lives and let the light in. If we are going to traverse through obstacles that, throw, that life throws at us, we need to get the light of the world close. Who's the light of the world? I'm glad you asked. John chapter 8 says this. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light, and they will never walk in darkness. You see, prayer, it brings closer the light of the world, a light that helps us find our way. Oh, I would love what David said. He said this in Psalms 119. He said, your word is a lamp to guide my feet, a light for my path. What I think is interesting about prayer is this. Prayer does not always remove move the problems, but it does help us walk forward and conquer them. David said it best in Psalms 23. We know this verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, but you got to know who you is. It is Jesus, the Messiah, the light of the world, the God who does not leave. It is Emmanuel, the God who is with us. Oh, I wish you would understand that when God is with you, when you embrace his promise and he steps into your situation, the Things begin to transform. Are you with me so far? If God is with us, we can move forward. Prayer pulls the light of the world into the surrounding darknesses. The light of Jesus is not only shows us the places that need to be fixed and broken, but it also shows us the next step to find complete healing. I heard this story about a young man who was praying, and Nick, if you'd come help me, and the alarms are going off, so we're going to... That was the red alert. <laughs> when light comes into the situation, things transform. I heard a story about this young man who was praying in the altar. He said, he, said he, he came to the altar every single service, and he would say, God, just get these cobwebs out of my mind. I got all these perverted and dirty and sinful cobwebs. Just, Lord, get in there and just do a good spring cleaning of all the cobwebs, Lord. And the pastor walked up and said, amen, Lord, get rid of those cobwebs. And one more thing, Lord, kill the spider. <laughs> kill the spider. Woo. Why? Because that's what light does. It's not just for cleaning. It's also removing the behavior in your life that makes you dirty. Prayer brings light into the situation so you know how to do that. God is calling, stop clearing webs and start killing spiders. There's healing for you tonight. But some of you keep putting yourself in the same situation over and over again. And you come up to the altar. Prayer is not working. No, you're supposed to work out your salvation with fear and trembling too. You know, God said, cast your cares upon the Lord. He did not say, cast your responsibilities. There is healing for you tonight. Let's allow Jesus to come into this temple and remove what doesn't belong there. What is Jesus telling you to let go of? Prayer brings attention to the things that matter most. Life gets messy. But the light of the world is here to heal you. I don't know what you're anxious about, and I certainly wouldn't belittle it, but I will encourage you, whatever situation you're in, whatever addiction that you're facing, whatever struggle, I don't know how you're going to get through it, 
But I do know this. If Jesus is with you, you will stand on the other side. Jesus is the one thing that empowers us to do everything. I love what Dr. Curtis, um, Dr. Curtis Hudson said this. He said, there is more that you can do after you pray, but there is nothing you can do until you pray. Jesus is the one thing that empowers us to do everything. And as we get ready to close in a moment, I want to let you know that we are stronger with Jesus is with us. There was an evangelist named Gypsy Smith. And somebody asked him, hey, what is the secret to revival? And this is how he responded. Go home. Take a piece of chalk. Draw a circle around yourself. And say, Lord, revive every dead thing inside this circle. We are not called to attend revivals. We are called to be in revivals. Let's give and continue to give Jesus permission to clear out the things that lead us away from holiness and communion with him. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.